I, I can't get enough of these <laughs> crane excuses. These are amazing. <laughs> Sir, were you speeding? I was not going the speed limit. You phrase it however you want. <laughs> That's right. If you, if you missed it, Jim Crane, owner of the Houston Astros, had a press conference today with several of his players, quote-unquote, apologizing oh, yeah, for yeah, not yeah. doing anything wrong. Well, no. They just they broke the rules. And, they uh, cheat. They broke the rules. Someone asked him, hey, did you, did, you, did you guys cheat? And he said, we broke the rules. You phrase it however you want. <laughs> So, so we're having a little fun with that with that kind of play of words. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like uh, Sven tweets in, Jim Crane answers questions like, Austin, did you cheat? Why can't it be do whatever you want whenever you want? I didn't go to jail. You phrase it how you want. <laughs> did you get away with murder? You said no rules. Take it how you want. <laughs> All right. Joining us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line, it is Ben Anderson. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Uh, ben, any good uh, Jim Crane excuses that you can think of uh, that you've <laughs> ever had to throw out there at any time? Oh, I try to stay out of trouble. No, I don't actually try and stay out of trouble. I get in the most trouble I can. I just don't tell anybody about it. So I, I don't make excuses, and you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to lie about anything. So if someone asked you, Ben, did you break the rules? You'd say, Well, I didn't follow the rules. Yeah. You take it how you yeah. want. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Right. Well, the you. rules don't apply. Yeah, uh, there are more the, guidelines than rules. <laughs> by the way, somebody says. By the way, uh, folks, if, if you could tell, not tell my wife about this woman, uh, I'd appreciate it. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just no. hey, Speaking that's... of which, I, I guarantee you, I saw your wife this morning. Who? Oh, you saw my wife oh, this Tony? morning? I saw your wife this morning. Oh. She, let me let me see that. Let me ask you this. Does she drive a little red car? Uh, she was driving it today. Yeah. Yeah. She I drove the red blur today? today? She drove the red blur today. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'd never seen her before, but I, I recognized her from your photos, and I absolutely saw her this morning. Isn't oh. she like a black belt or something? Uh, yes. Yeah. She's very yeah. dangerous, actually. Well, I didn't try and steal her purse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's, you didn't not try well, to steal yeah, her purse. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> well, good. Well, Ben, uh, your thoughts on kind of the last four games and then also the first 52 or whatever, if you will, uh, that the Jazz have played up to this point and, and just your overall thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround uh, twice that they, they've had this season, both starting 13 and 11 uh, and then being at the point where they are now where they have 36 wins on the season and then losing five in a row after that long uh, winning streak where they won 19 of 21 and then turning around and winning four in a row when things were not going well and the team was not playing particularly well. Uh, Quinn Snyder and, and that team figured out what they were doing wrong and how to turn it around. And, and I think, honestly, if you look of the 36 wins they have, these last four, I mean, maybe with the exception of the Blazers, even though we know how well Damian Lillard has been playing, I mean, all of them might be in the top ten wins so far this season, along with you know the Clippers win that they had earlier this year. And they just they're really good victories to to have going into the All Star break and to go into the break with the longest win streak in the league is is a very nice cap to a perfect first half of the season. I'd say for the Jazz. Who's been the most impactful acquisition for the Jazz this season, Boyan Bogdanovich or Jordan Clarkson? That's a very tough question to separate out because, you know, the Jazz aren't in this spot without either one of them. Now, there's been so many nights where you've had to just get 20 to 25 points or even, you know, 28 points from Boyan Bogdanovich, which he basically gives you every night. So in that sense, he's probably been the most important. But continuing to sharpen the team and lower the handicap, as Quinn Snyder likes to talk about, which is adding a guy when you're already good and getting better to where you're potentially great. And a guy like Jordan Clarkson is 
very hard to do. And most teams don't have the ability to do it, which is why you have contenders and pretenders. And Jordan Clarkson obviously might be a player who's good enough and fits well enough on this team to move the Jazz out of that pretender status and up into that elite group in the NBA that really might be competing for an NBA title. Is the very best version of this team still with a Mike Conley being as good as as, uh, what we envisioned that he might be able to be with this roster, this team, when he gets to a fully healthy level and a uh, fully immersed level with this team? Yes and no. No, in that I don't think it's going to look like what people thought it was going to look like. It's not going to be this perfect five-man machine where everyone scores 15 to 18 points and the ball's flying around the perimeter and everyone's sharing and everyone's everyone's unselfish. I actually don't think that's what this team's going to look like because you've got a lot of heavy ball-handling players, whether that's Donovan Mitchell likes to handle the ball, Mike Conley really likes to touch the ball, Jordan Clarkson does it a lot. So you're not going to have this Golden State Warriors-looking offense but it is the best that the Jazz can be with Mike Conley because when you get into the playoffs and the Houston Rockets focus on taking Joe Ingles out of the game or taking Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert out of the game, they don't then have an answer for Mike Conley, who we saw against the Houston Rockets in isolation, being able to attack anyone who guards him. So it, it may not be the entire machine that works, but the individual pieces are all going to be really important and they're going to be more important come the playoff time. Donovan Mitchell had an incredible finish to the uh, pre-All-Star break uh, last night. He hasn't been getting to the line quite as much as his season averages would have him get there. Why, why do you think that is? Do you have any guesses? I think he's tired. Uh, I think that's been his biggest key, especially over the last, what, six games or so, seven games or so. I want to say last night was the first time in eight games that he had a positive plus-minus. Oh, wow. So he, he, not, that, not that he's been bad uh, by any means, but he's only averaged 18 points a game. In that stretch, he's only shooting 40% from the floor, actually 39%. He's only shooting 30% from the three-point line. So clearly after that you know, 19 of 21 run, he just was gassed. And I don't think he had much left. And a lot of that I do think was due to Mike Conley being out of the lineup and then coming back in and then trying to figure out, okay, who has the energy for what and what role is Donovan Mitchell playing, moving from point guard back to shooting guard. I do think a lot of that was the reason. So uh, I think he's gassed. I think he's tired. And, and one of the things that happens then is you start making weird mistakes, which I think accounts for all the turnovers over the last few games that we've seen. And then, Austin, as you're talking about not going into the paint, not not getting fouled, you just don't have the legs or the energy to do it. The Utah Jazz, since November 1st, they're 12th in the league defensively. Since uh, November, yeah, since November and December first, they're they're twelfth in the league defensively. They've had moments where they're kind of right around middle of the league. What is your thought on this team getting back to having that serious bite defensively, where they are continuously among the top five in that area, which is something we've been accustomed to in the last uh, couple of years? Some of that's just going to take focus down the stretch, and and honestly. What is required of this team? Now, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are amazing, and maybe they run away with the championship this year because they're, what, the number one defensive team and number two offensive team in the league. They're just absolutely staggering what the numbers they're putting up are. But the Jazz, in seasons past, when they didn't have a very good offense, had to be great defensively to win games. And the expectation was to win games, so that's what they did. They found a way to do it. Now they can win games without being great defensively, and so they haven't been. But I do think that can be fixed in the playoffs when they realize, hey, every possession matters. We have to play harder. We have to rebuckle in. And then you have to hope that the players that are actually on the floor can match up to that. And there's some question marks. Boyan Bogdanovich is not an incredible defender and, and overplays uh, occasionally on the offense or on the defensive side of the ball. 
Uh, but with that said, I think you'll see a more dialed in Donovan Mitchell, who also has been beat back cut a few times. You know, Jordan Clarkson uh, loses guys occasionally on defense. I think that'll be a big question mark come the playoffs. So I, I think they have the ability to get back to being a great defensive team. Uh, I don't think they've had to be through much of the regular season because the offense has been so good. Ben, if we could expand maybe a little bit on that Bucks conversation and include some other teams. I, I've kind of got these two tiers of championship contenders, the top tier being the Bucks. Lakers and pseudo Raptors just because they've played so incredibly well but really I think they might belong with the Celtics Nuggets Clippers Jazz do you do you agree that those are the two tiers here or the Jazz not in that conversation no Jazz are absolutely in the conversation of the top two tiers and the nice thing is I think they're at the top if they're not at the top of the second tier they're at the bottom of the first tier I I don't think they would be favored to win over the Lakers in the playoff series or the Clippers or probably the Bucks right now though the Jazz have played the Bucks very tough this season uh, but but they certainly belong in that conversation, and I would say you know they're they're right there with the Raptors, who I know they got smoked by earlier this year on the road. Uh, we haven't seen them yet play against the Boston Celtics, but l- look how they've done against the Miami Heat this year. You know that they lost by three in Miami before the team was playing well, and then they won by 15 last night. They crushed the Philadelphia 76ers when they were here, and then got crushed in Philly. So the best teams in the East, really, the Jazz have played very well against for the most part, and, and that's a good sign. That's a positive for this team. We'll have to see what they look like against the Lakers now down the stretch because they've lost their first two meetings, and, and they'll get to see them again. Uh, you have to like what they did against the Rockets last time they played them. Uh, I certainly think you love what they've done against the Clippers, so they won that season series 2-1. to one. So just honestly looking at the victories they've had, they belong in that conversation, and maybe they're better than a lot of those teams. How would you predict the Western Conference standings to play out 1-5 to five when 82 games have been played for everyone? I'll be curious how much the Clippers play Paul George and Kawhi Leonard down the stretch if they continue to do this resting uh, push and, and, and load management push that they've had through the first half of the year, or if they really crank it up in the second half of the season and say, hey, we don't want to end up as the four seed, because if we end up in the four seed, you're going to catch the Lakers in the second round. And I think they would like to put off that matchup as long as possible. The Jazz, ideally, would love to end up in that 2-3 matchup where you know they're playing either the Dallas Mavericks or the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round, and then getting to match up with the Denver Nuggets in the second round. I know that matchup hasn't been great for the Jazz the last two games, but uh, I think they would like that come the postseason, whether they have to start on the road or not. So I I think the Jazz obviously are going to make a very hard push to try and be in that 2-3 seed because I think you want to avoid LeBron, as the entire Eastern Conference has learned over the last 10 years in the playoffs. It just doesn't make sense to do it. He doesn't lose. Uh, So if the Jazz can avoid that in the first round, that's going to be probably your best goal, I should say, in the second round. That's probably going to be your number one target. But then you have to worry about what's on the back end, which team makes a big push for the eighth seed. Is it a bad team that, that's going to get eliminated quickly? Does somebody end up jumping in the seventh seed? Is it a you know a flawed Dallas Mavericks team? I think there's going to be teams like we saw last year over the last couple of games trying to not, not fix the games, but you know pur- purposely to design their their final record to to avoid certain teams. Now you're headed to the All Star festivities, Ben. As a child of the NBA, as a fan of the NBA, what's what do you like about the All Star weekend? What do you dislike about it? Uh, honestly, I'm excited to see what it's like and, and how well it's celebrated. The game itself, unfortunately, is usually the worst part of the weekend, I think, though I know the dunk contest doesn't quite have the same luster it used to. Uh, this actually has a pretty good field this, this year. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and, and then the three-point shooting contest, there's so many good players. 
It's unfortunate we won't see Damian Lillard in it anymore, but uh, there's a lot of good shooters in that. So I think Saturday night should be fun. I think it'll be cool seeing the Jazz players on Sunday night playing together. Uh, and honestly, because Giannis didn't do a great job drafting players, I think there should be a lot of touches for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, which should be good for Jazz fans. <laughs> well, Ben, thanks for joining us here today. Safe travels over to the Windy City, and we'll be talking to you on the other side when the second half, if you will, of games get back underway. Thanks again, man. See you guys. Thanks. thanks yep, ben. It's Ben Anderson joining with uh, KSL, and he's also a uh, big part of what we do here with the Jazz pre-half and post-game show.